0: because you are entering the no-whining world of
2: January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm January Jones, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast today. For these podcast TV shows, my new brand is the Glitter Granny As you see, we wear many hats as we go through life every day. So today I'm wearing my pink interview hat. The nice thing about hats is you don't have to fuss with your hair. (laughs) Now for my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about being in the beauty business? Tell me, Do you even know what a beautician has to do in order to survive in the beauty industry? Have you ever met someone who has walked the walk and talked the talk in the beauty industry? Can you imagine what it would be like to actually day-to-day run a beauty salon? I can't imagine. Now would you like to meet someone who will share her own experiences in the beauty industry and tell us about some beauty icons? Have you ever heard of a famous book entitled, Rags to Riches, How Beauty Icons Made It Big? If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions, then you are in the right place. And I'd like to welcome you, to January Jones, sharing success stories. So now it's time to relax, settle back, go get a glass of wine, get some cheese and crackers, and enter with us into the no-wine zone. I'd like to tell you a little bit about my guest today. I'm so pleased to have her here on the show with us. She is here today as a top salon spa owner consultant, providing a roadmap for business success for ambitious entrepreneurs. Her message is especially current and for future salon owners. Through the stories of beauty icons in every aspect of the beauty industry, including celebrity hairstylists, eyebrow nail artists to the stars and people who have just plainly transformed the beauty business today she's here to tell us about the inspiring beauty guest in her book rags to riches how beauty icons made it big welcome to the show today karen padetti hi karen how are you
1: how are you
2: i'm good i'm so happy to have you on the show today um, you know, before we go into the podcast, just out of curiosity, I wanted to ask you how uh, the pandemic affected uh, you, how it affected the beauty industry in general, and any thoughts you had about surviving the pandemic?
1: Well, um, as in any industry, no one was really prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um So as we were getting closer to shutting down, the panic was rising completely. Um, I was thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? How long is this going to be? Um, So the uncertainty was just stressful. And I was getting calls from salon and spa openers all around the United States, and they were calling me like, what should we do? What can I do? And I was like, at this point in time, there's nothing we can do. Pray for our industries. Keep in touch. Um, We did a lot of Zoom calls with a bunch of um, people I was consulting for or had um, just trying to talk to each other and keep our spirits up. So it was it was tough because we live on people coming into our our place of business and having services Mm -hmm. And so in New York where I'm from, you know, they finally it was over three months and they finally opened up the hair. So Mm -hmm. we then had to go into our areas and redo the whole inside of the salon and spas um, to enable people to come in. Yeah. The one thing that was just horrific at first when the pandemic was over, they thought twenty percent of all salons and spots closed their business. Oh wow. Since that time it is now around thirty two percent. They just couldn't do it survive and handle it going forward. Mm -hmm. So it really anybody who had a really systematic business was following procedures and tools and really understood the finances of the business were able to survive it those who just kind of were saw money coming in were paying money going out and really didn't know what their bottom line was those were the ones that closed
2: Mm -hmm. yeah they fell by the wayside i you know i'm thinking back about it you know before the pandemic I would go in every six weeks to have my hair color done. Well, when the pandemic came, I couldn't do that. And so like many, many women my age, we just went natural. <laughs> and I never knew at that point, you did not even know what color, what real color my hair was. Mm-hmm. Well, I was lucky because I found out that it was uh, platinum. Silver. <laughs> You're very lucky. I know. I can't believe it. And you know, had it not been for the pandemic, I don't think I ever would have been brave enough to let it grow out. Um, so for me, it was good. But I can certainly see what a difficult thing it would be for people trying to make their living in the, the beauty business. Uh, tell me, how did you get into the beauty business? How
1: old were you, and when did you do it, and how? Well, I graduated college, and I went to college for um, accounting and finance. Okay. And right out of school, I actually went and worked for CPA firms, and then I was done with the CPA world, and I went into corporate America, Uh and then I realized this whole accounting business is really not for me. <laughs> I thought your folks were thrilled about that. Yeah. No, oh, no. Yeah. I thought my mother, I, when I told my mom I was leaving my job making almost $100,000 to go back and get my licenses, the color of, out of her face just drained. She looked at me and thought, what? I said, don't worry, mom. She goes, what do you mean don't worry? <laughs> I love it. I love your story because I had the same thing happen.
2: In my family, my third daughter graduated from college and went into the business world, then went and became a, a flight attendant, a stewardess. Then at that point, she told me, you know, Mom, what I really always wanted to do, I want to be an esthetician. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, my gosh if you could have only told me that you know before I spent all that money on college but I digress so tell us how it went after your mom you picked her up off the floor yeah barely
1: yeah and so I started and at that time I also um, was married and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom okay so I um, started a, a spa in my home and i did electrolysis as well at the time and that was that is a repeat business where people come back come back come back i had my um, first daughter and it was great so i worked two and a half days a week um i had a nanny in the house and i made over a hundred thousand dollars working from home so it was like a perfect ideal situation And then my business started growing and getting bigger and bigger. And it was to the point where, like, okay, I need now to have my home life be my home life and my business be my business.
2: Okay. So then you branched out. You know, uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to hear about a book, Thou Shalt Not Wind, The 11th Commandment. And, you know, I'm thinking, Karen, this is probably a book that should be in the waiting room of every beauty salon in the country.
1: <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Yeah.
0: Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine.
2: Welcome back to the No Wine Zone with my guest, Karen Badetti. She is definitely not a whiner because she is a winner. Also, I want to tell everyone that Thou Shalt Not Wine is now available in audiobooks. Karen, could you please share with our listeners your website information and how they can contact you and how they can buy your book?
1: Sure. So, if you contact me through um, LuxSpa.com, because that's the business I own,
2: and then
1: you can um, buy my book through Amazon, Rags to Riches, How Beauty Icons Made It Big.
2: Okay, wonderful. And we'll be putting that information at the bottom, oh, there it is, at the bottom of the screen right now. Uh, Okay, so what inspired you to write a book?
1: It was really the pandemic that triggered it. I had been consulting around the United States for salons and spas, and I loved it. The one thing that I always kind of, I wish I could do more of was help more people in our industry. And when the pandemic hit, I thought, oh gosh, you know, we need to do something. We need to do it now. And it was then that I said, let me try and give people the tools, the strategies, everything I use in my own business here and with my consulting clients around the United States, everything like, you know, I use, I want to give everybody and how I use it and how I do it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I would like to write a book. And then I thought, now, why would someone want to read my book? Because I don't want—I want it to be entertaining. I want it to be fun, light. Um, Mm -hmm. That's when I started to think, okay, I want to get some huge beauty icons, and I wanted them from all aspects, like uh, groomers, hair stylists, nails, um, people in the business regarding Mm -hmm. the beauty, people who've written books. So I kind of handpicked. Who I wanted and I interviewed them and the great part of it is they tell their stories at the beginning of each chapter of how they made it big their struggles what worked what didn't oh um, it was that,
2: yeah. that's incredible uh, to have them tell what worked and what didn't work because when people get into this they don't want to reinvent the wheel they want to follow the roadmap that you've laid out for them. And it's interesting, I think, I call it the pandemic pause. You can't imagine how many people took that time to do what you did. They sit back, they reflect, and they start writing. Uh, as a writer myself, I'm curious, how long did it take you to write the book? And was it difficult to uh, entice beauty icons to work with you
1: um, first of all it took me probably much longer because it was my first turn first try okay. mm-hmm. and I didn't know really what I was doing I knew what I, what I wanted to do but so it's taken me a couple years okay okay yeah the other thing was I handpicked some big names and I kind of waited for them to be available for me to interview them. Okay. Um. So, it was. Would I liked it to be take a year? Yes. But mm-hmm. I really was adamant about the people I wanted, um, and the, all the aspects of the beauty industry. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah.
2: Well, I, I feel most most any book is uh, that's worth its while is going to take at least two years, and sometimes it's first books. That's a whole learning process. And then, believe me, your second, third, and fourth, and et cetera, will be much, much easier. <laughs> so did, how did you carve out the time running a spa, raising a family, and writing? Are you a nighttime writer, or do you write in the morning? Do you write every day?
1: Um, I would really, I'd have to get my calendar out. Uh-huh. and. And set aside chunks of time to do it. So I knew, like, on Tuesday at 9 a.m., I was going to sit down. So knowing that that was coming, I'd start thinking about all these different things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I sat down, I was, like, on time. Like, okay, let's write what I've been thinking about. (laughs) So how many, may I ask, how many children do you have? I have two daughters. Two daughters. yeah, one is 22 and one is 12. And yes, the same husband. Okay, well. <laughs> that you have two hun- uh two families, but yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank goodness, you kept the same husband.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: okay, that's interesting. Uh was your husband supportive of this uh venture?
1: Yeah, he was a gem. Um he really was very supportive. Um, I he was my proofreader. There were times when he said, "You just have to read this, read the whole thing one more time." I'm like, I can't even read it anymore. I'm I I I almost not sure I'm actually reading the words, but I know what I want it to be. So I'd be doing that. So yeah, he was completely supportive. There were um, times I was taking mini courses, so. He stepped up with, you know, helping out my daughters doing homework and stuff like that.
2: Okay. Now, what was the one thing you learned uh, from this experience with the pandemic and book writing? What's the big lesson for Karen here?
1: Um, I have to say the pandemic first was a blessing in disguise. Okay. I, I was always going, 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 and it was like... We stopped, and my um, older daughter at the time was in college and came home, and so it was just like the four of us, and uh, it was time, like, I will always, like, be thankful for that I had.
2: Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. The pandemic pause is, when you look back on it, for some of us, it's something to really cherish. And, you know, the time with your family goes so fast, so quickly. It's, you know, over in a blink. And the pause made everyone uh, sit back, appreciate, appreciate, and go for that quality time versus quantity. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So I love that they knew I was writing this, and they're very supportive, um, which was really good. So the one And the one thing, I wrote the book, and then I took the book and made it into an, um, a course. It's an online course oh, okay. called Rags to Riches in Action. Uh-huh. So in the book, there's assessment, there's a story, then there's assessment, and then there's things to learn, things to do. But I kept wanting to write more and give more and give more and give more. So I'm like, okay, I need a course. So I took each chapter and really dived into it in my course. And I like, for instance, marketing. Here's my marketing calendar. Here are all my marketing ideas and things I do. So um, they were even they were proud about the book, but they thought it was very cool. I took it one step farther.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you? Uh, let me ask you. Did you write
2: your book at um, Kindle as an ebook, or how did you go about it, or did you self publish, or did you have a publisher?
1: No, I did not have a publisher. I just went through the Amazon, Kindle. Kindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was my first bit, first time, and everyone says, to get a publisher, it's so hard, it's so difficult. I'm like, okay, I'm having enough hard time get, getting through it. So let me just take the easy way out and see what happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that because, you know, I wrote my first book, though, some... 30 years ago, and that was uh, like inventing the wheel. And I self-published it, and then along the way, I migrated to the Kindle ebook world. And you're right, it, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. And I'm hoping that people listening to us who are thinking about writing a book, and let's face it, everyone's got one book in them. <laughs> I would highly suggest you follow Karen's and my suggestion and go to the Kindle uh, e-book program. And you know what? I'm not even getting paid to advertise for them. (laughs) (laughs) Advertising, here are some books that I wrote at Kindle, and we'll be right back.
0: Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering, who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable. In her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically, prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Are was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Are needed class. And Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones.
2: Also, Oh No Jackie O, The Unspeakable is Spoken is also just going on audiobook right now 60 years after the kennedy assassination Karen, what excites you most about being in the beauty industry and uh, what advice would you give someone who's contemplating doing what you're doing
1: um what i love the most is helping people i Good. I really love the fact when I can help someone change either how they look, how they feel. But when they leave, they're more at peace, more with gratitude. I just, that fulfills me. And advice for anyone getting into the beauty industry, if you're going to go in, go in big. Uh, My motto is dream big, swing big, play big. So go in knowing you're going to have to build a clientele and no one gives you that. So really understand who your niche market is and really go after it and keep and reinvesting in education and and just do whatever you can as far as marketing and just being the best you can be and serve people. Really serve them from the heart. Do that
2: in a short explains why you're successful. And you know, I, I find that people in the beauty business, in my opinion, are all therapists.
1: <laughs> that is true.
2: And, and I you know I spoke earlier about my daughter who became an esthetician. Well, after she kind of did that, she then went on and became a therapist. And so that is what she is doing now professionally. But I can remember so many times when I'd go to uh, Paul, my hairdresser, for 30 years. He knew all my secrets. He knew all, And he was so good uh, keeping things confidential, giving me advice. Uh, the same thing happened with my manicurist, where I go for my facial. So you're basically in the therapy business, aren't you?
1: Oh, yes. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I could probably write a book on all the things I've been told over the years. Okay. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You just kind of paused on the camera. Yeah, that
2: would definitely be your second book. (laughs)
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Okay. Now, when you're talking to people, who do you feel is... uh, Well, the ideal candidate to run this profitable business, I mean, the first thing, they have to have empathy, I would think. What other qualities do you look for in people who want to go into your business?
1: Um, This sounds funny nowadays, but I would really want somebody to be professional. Mm -hmm. I actually teach my, um, my staff how to give a proper handshake how yeah how to talk professionally and um you know respect the career we chose and to do it to the highest standard
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's good advice now um let's talk money what uh what can someone expect when they go into this business? Is it lucrative? Or And how long does it take to actually start being able to pay your bills and to show your profit margin?
1: Well, when you go into this business, if I have, like, someone coming to me and they have another job, I say to them, you should keep your other job for a while while you build your clientele. That way you have other income and you're not just fully depending on this and it takes a couple of years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now this is what becomes the difference between those who rise to the top and those who just are mediocre the ones who rise to the top they know they're going to give their all they might have to work extra special for each client they just do everything a bit better take more time and they really connect and build a rapport with their clients and that is huge
2: mm-hmm. if you
1: go into into it being shy or quiet it's yeah. going to take you 10 times more mm-hmm. you really, really just need to be able to be compassionate and again follow with your heart and those are the ones that will make it now my um, people here my staff i meet with them anywhere from every other week to once a month mm-hmm. and they tell me how much money they want to make and okay. so I say okay and we start to break it down by um, month week day so they know at the end of the year mm-hmm. whether they're going to hit their goal or not so we work backwards and I have seven people now who are making over a hundred thousand but they've worked hard to get there. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm sure they have. Um, when you started to work on your book, how did you go about, uh, how many icons did you interview, and how did you go about choosing them?
1: Um, I have 12 icons, okay. and I wanted people from different areas. uh uh-huh. And I knew if i just call, I'd never get a hold of them. So mm-hmm. I actually put a media kit of, of who I was, what my um, thought process was, what my end goal was. And I sent that to them or their agent. And they, they would, some, some of them got back to me right away. Some said, I'm really busy right now, maybe in the future. But I was really, um, I kind of went after them and didn't let up.
2: (laughs) Okay, you had your goal and you set it. Um, Like, how did you do the interviews? Since we were in a pandemic time, did you do it on Zoom or did they write written interviews? How did you get that? No,
1: each one was Zoom-based. And um, had it not been Zoom... I would have wanted to meet each one individually, um, but it was Zoom and it was very, it was, I was so nervous, (laughs) really, I mean, I would be like all shaking and just about, and then I'd start talking to them and they were the most humble people and Mm -hmm. I'd be like, wow you just did oprah winfrey's eyebrows and you're talking to me <laughs> so i i mean i was like wow and they were just it w- it was shocking to me how just real they were and, and forthcoming and mm-hmm. um you know they they told me their ups and downs um so i was like so thankful to them for being part of that because my book really wouldn't be what it would be with, without them. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were amazing. I mean, I, for one, Damone Roberts, he's known for his eyebrows Mm -hmm. and in one part of the um, interview, me and my assistant were laughing hysterically. 10 minutes later, we're about both choking up, almost crying over (laughs) another story he told us. And it was just like true raw emotion. So yeah, it was – I I am grateful and so thankful for them sharing and being just so open with me.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. Now, you were talking earlier about education classes that you're taking right now. Uh, what do you recommend to our listeners if they're – I know we recommend your classes, obviously. It's our first recommendation always. But what else do you recommend – To people who are thinking of doing this, uh, what do you recommend they do in preparation?
1: First of all, whatever your niche is, whether it be nails, hair, facials, um, laser, make sure you become the best in your field and you have a great reputation, first and foremost. Secondly, when i started thinking about going into a business i was buying and reading every book on salons and spas and i just kept learning more and more then when i was prior to consulting i was taking classes through empowering you um about leadership because my leadership skills weren't really great Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed to to do better, but I wasn't sure what that was, so I took classes on that. And every time I thought there was a – I thought, oh, I could do better there, I would look to find to do better. So I would do that. Even going to um, the Small Business Bureau and getting advice for them on, you know, the statistics in that type of area. So do your research, first and foremost. So – I mean, look at it like this is your career. You want to make how much money? How are you going to get there?
2: Okay. All right. You know, uh, we're going to take a break now and uh, hear about some unforgettable people who have been on my show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the icons uh, in particular and what you learned from each one of them. We'll be right back. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul. People who have faced difficult problems. People who have struggled to find solutions. People who fearlessly shared their stories. People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer and birth defects that are beyond traumatic my guests have all been exciting eclectic and energizing they have amazed amused and even astonished me i have adored getting to meet them and i adore sharing them with you
0: Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who as a humorist helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the Deep South. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience.
2: Welcome back with another priceless personality that I'm fortunate enough to be able to share with all you. Um, If people want to work with you, do you do private consulting?
1: I do. I do it really on a limited basis right now, but um, yeah, I still do.
2: Good, okay. That's nice to be able to know that. Um, what was the most none you're looking back, you've done this for twenty years, wow. What was the most difficult time and what would you consider your biggest success?
1: Hmm. Um, I think there was two two diff one early on I had a walkout which is not uncommon in our industry it is not. when you get a group of your people cuz i had up to 50 employees
2: uh-huh
1: and and a walkout is when you get a group of them that think they're going they're going to leave and they're going to go start the business on their own so okay. um it was one was my manager of the hair department, which is huge. Yeah. And and um, he took the manager of the spa department. So my two, yeah, my two go-to people who have access to my book, who had been with me for a while, during the pandemic, they decided that they were gonna start a business and do it. And so um, shortly after we reopened, Mm-hmm. About two months, one day they left me a note on my desk just saying, um, we are leaving due to someone who had come into the spa and salon with COVID. Oh. But the next day they opened their new salon and spa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that was a little crazy because I was like, they basically had my entire client list. F- oh, no, I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. So it was like, you know, that pit in your stomach, like, oh my gosh, I am going to crumble. And so I had to take a couple of deep breaths and um, kind of step back from it and think, how am I going to regroup? What do I need to do immediately? And stuff like that. So that was huge. And I just, Said you know I've gone through tough times before. This is just another one. Kind of get your head in the game, and start making an action plan, and try to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did. Um, I did. I did. I hired new people. I, I some people internally asked for the position. I gave them you know a chance, and they shined. So you know some of your worst times sometimes end up being coming out and having, giving you your best results almost. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah. was. Well, and what was the other difficult time?
1: The other difficult time is I, I um, bought our, the building at 16,000 square feet. I own, uh, I own, I occupy 9,000 square feet. And the lower level, yes, yeah, big. And so the lower level um, during construction, it was right at the end of construction. I was ready to go. Someone shut off the sump pump and flooded the wow. entire lower level. Thank and you. and oh, it was wow. beautiful. That level was gorgeous. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and everything oh. down there was ruined. We had to take up the walls four feet. And I just thought, hmm, when they say renovation is expensive, they're not kidding. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay.
2: Now those are two amazing stories, and, and they're very—they uh, get your attention, and definitely. Have. Now let's talk about what has been the most uh, successful, and what have you? Uh, what are you proudest of?
1: I truly and I always say one of my biggest assets is my team. Uh huh. They are people who, who are really devoted and committed to their careers. They mm-hmm. don't just look at it, at it as a part-time job. Um, they are fully committed. Um, mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't be worried mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. So that it, to me is huge. If, where my team has started, how we've come along, because we are a very high-end salon and spa, but we work to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is is huge for me because I also see them living their best life because they're making the money they're making.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. They're happy and content, and so that I love. Um, I think yeah. that's pretty big, and that's for sure. Yeah. I think. Um one other thing is I have a clothing line that's fairly new mm-hmm. and um my youngest daughter was was um diagnosed with ADHD which I didn't know anything about right so um I started a clothing line it's called VA Badass and we started a foundation to give kids with ADHD um money to go to, to schools and even if it's not college like uh aesthetics, cosmetology, that tag. So yeah. I think that one is pretty high on my thing. Oh my gosh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Um, okay,
2: this is a question I ask everyone who comes on the show. If you could have dinner with anyone, uh, living or dead, besides me, who would you choose? <laughs> to have as a dinner guest and who would you like to meet and who would you like to
1: talk to? I, I, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just think she does so much good and I think she, she came from a background that wasn't great and made her into who she is but along the way kept giving and giving and giving back. So I would love to meet her, she'd be a huge inspiration.
2: Mhm. You know, uh I would too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anyone and there, I don't think there's a woman in the world who wouldn't want to have lunch with Oprah. Uh when you look back on your wonderful career and all you've been through, uh do what are do you have any regrets or do you have any things that you wish you could do over?
1: Hmm, not really, because I I think with regrets, doing things, it kind of made you a better person, look deeper inside to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you do differently? um, I think I would have, when I first went into business, I was very concerned with making money to pay for everything. Sure. That yeah. I was a little tunnel visioned. And as I got older, I learned that people were the, you know, the main reason. And so I think back then I tended to be not harsh, but like very black and white. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, you think it would be better to uh, bring in more personality? More empathy and, yeah. Well, yeah. I think that pretty much goes for at most businesses. Uh, as you're looking back, what does success uh, mean to you, Karen? What does success mean to you today?
1: Um, to me, my two daughters are my why in life. Mm-hmm. And I always want them to just dream big and do what they want. So, I wanted to be like a strong individual, a strong leader to show them mm-hmm. um, so so that, and the fact that like my girls see that I work hard, but it yeah. pays off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. too yeah. and honestly, it's all about my family and my kids. <laughs> Well, you know, there's nothing
2: wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, because when all is said and done, guess what? That's what really counts the most in life. In closing, thank you, Karen, so much for coming on the podcast. I've sure enjoyed meeting you and hearing about this fascinating business that you've created. For our listeners, remember to go to uh, Karen's website. We hope you've enjoyed our time together. We've tried to be very informative and inspiring. Our upcoming guests are all energizing, eclectic, just like Karen. Next Tuesday we'll be on live at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Now my 80-year-old hot for the day today, (laughs) it's amazing that the idea of living a long life appeals to everyone, absolutely everyone. But the prospect of getting old actually doesn't appeal to anyone. <laughs> so there you go, signing off from the Glitter Granny. Thank you for entering the no wine zone and please share our stories with everyone you know. And remember, you need to stop whining and then start smiling and if that doesn't work you can just start eating chocolate lots and lots of chocolate <laughs> thank you Karen thank you. Day, take care and stay safe until we meet again
0: we want to thank you for listening to January Jones sharing success stories always remember Ms. Jones personal mantra if you can think it You can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.